she's like top notch. She did a really, really great. You could tell that she really put herself into the it. whole time I'm watching this. I'm just gonna be thinking, she's John. My beard. <laughs> she's John. <laughs> That's right, man. It's me, baby. Yep. Every time you look at her, you oh. think of me. Cold open right there. (laughs) (laughs) What, are we recording already? Damn it. (laughs) If my wife is listening, I I didn't mean it, baby. I love you. Yes, he did. (laughs) It's a really long cold open. It's a really long cold open, but it's so worth it. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach and the host joining me this evening are John Christian and Master Troy Sandley. Hi, lady. Hey, hey. Nope. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Still still not going to do it. All for you. It's consistent. Excelsior. That's the best you're going to get out of me, maybe. Yeah. Nope. That's not a hack job. A hack job is the best we can get out of John. Yeah. Just, wow! Damn, yeah. man! Shots fired! Hey, at least this I was is, original. We expect. I don't. Hang on a second. I don't see or hear Zach doing anything remotely. So buffoonish. I memorized. Am I just your? I memorized an entire opening dialogue, mm-hmm. verbatim. I wrote so that. I never have to come up with anything. I wrote. The I wrote a life. whole yodel. Yeah, I wrote a yodel. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Wrote We're a yodel. Both assassins. Yeah. So. Well. I hope you feel better about yourself. I do actually. I hope results. I hope you feel bad about yourself because you still haven't risen to Ulysses' challenge. I haven't. Weak, weak sauce. I don't, uh, I save all my yodels for <laughs> for whenever they're important. Like oh, so Ulysses not on a mountaintop. So when Ulysses, I'm on a mountaintop, and I want some Ricola. That's like say, when I when I you have a sore throat. That's right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's what the horn's for. That's, That's right. Well, I mean, sometimes the horn breaks and you have to yodel, so you have to save it for the moment. Uh, Sorry, Ulysses. It's not dead, happening this week. Dead Shadow Zach wants, wants to know if there's going to be soup. I hope not. Soup? Um, I don't know. It just says right there. I hope there's soup. <laughs> um, soup. Serving, well, That's serving up a buffet. Sure, serving up a um, buffet. Oh. Yeah. No, it was soup. Not for dessert. No, no, no. Then we always do our dessert first, unless there's a dessert mm-hmm. soup. Somebody out there, get on, get on, well, get on the interwebs and tell yeah, us. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Like a, it's like called a melted ice cream. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. All right. Yeah, you're yeah, a buffet. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yep, fair enough. Uh, and the first thing you go for is soup. Soup. Listen, this is a person after my own heart. I can, I, I know this to be true. Listen. I don't think that there's a better buffet is a loose word, but if you're tying it into just a line of options for your dinner, I want a buffet of soup, right? Buffet of soup. Um, In fact, I have done to me. Imagine, imagine if six people came, if you had a gathering and each person brought a different like crock pot of soup, tell me that Mm. that would not be, Fantastic. I would serve soup flights. <laughs> flights. Flights. <laughs> flights of soup. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Shot glasses of yes. soup. Shot glasses. <laughs> little little glasses of this. soup. <laughs> don't, uh, in the words of Gandalf, don't tempt me, Frodo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, uh, I did hear 
completely off topic. <laughs> um, well, maybe actually on topic, really. Something about uh, there's a local restaurant where I live that they have bacon flights. Okay, now you're talking my language. Mm-hmm. Soups can sit down. <laughs> bacon, bacon, bacon. Soup. Come on, come on down. Yeah, Girk, Girk <laughs> is calling us out again. He said you never even brought the rails out tonight. Who the hell? Like rails? <laughs> rails? We're sandbox. This is going to be a, a four-hour news segment, sir. I'll thank yeah. you to but you don't, mind yes. your manners. You don't put us on. You don't put us on. You don't take away our player agency. That's right. Well, hey, let's let, listen uh, for you, Girk. I will put us on the rails. We have five news articles to talk about this evening, um, covering a buffet of topics. In truth, a dessert buffet. Um, With soup. and uh, I think. Let's see. We, we've got a good... I know what one we should end on, and that's the yep. one that Troy and I talked about at the beginning. Um, so let's just mix this thing up. John, why don't you take us off? <laughs> hey, holes. I know which one you're going to go over. And I'm going to go ahead and forewarn everyone. It's going to be the one that I fall asleep to. So I won't... We'll talk loud. It's not, I, I didn't. Think so. I, actually I think didn't, you're going to enjoy it. I didn't it. leave. I think, it, I think you'll enjoy it. Let's... Yeah. Nothing can be said by me with that and not get me into trouble. So here we go. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You'll be good. <clears throat> My first news article, and only news article, because for me it was a relatively dry week on stuff that I was super excited about, but it's definitely something I can get excited about. This is cool. Academy of Adventures 2021 D&D Online Summer Camp. Hell yeah. Where was this when I was a kid? Any kind of D&D summer camp or RPG summer camp, This I am so jealous. Look, look. I had DuckTales and the actual D&D, uh, the Dragon, uh, D&D cartoon, and I had like awesome Saturday mornings, but I mean, this, this is phenomenal. So it's a Kickstarter mm-hmm. right now. They are, uh, they only got 12 hours to go, but the good thing is that even though the, this is a, a Kickstarter and it's about to end, it's, it's an ongoing thing. It's something they're going to do next year. And, uh, what they're mm-hmm. trying to do ne- next is do after school programs, uh, which is part of this. So. Uh, The brief on it is they're trying to put together enough fundage, which they've more than done right now. As of this recording, they're at 18,000 of their $7,500 goal. So way to go. Good job. Mm -hmm. Good job. Uh, The camp description is enrollment in the Academy of Ventures comes with one full week of immersion into the amazing world of D&D. Each class will take up five or six seats. So a table, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So that every student has the ability to stalk, uh, to talk and play throughout the week. Not only will the students have the chance to create characters and dive into adventure, but each day will have an activity that builds their ability to play together. So you get to learn to play D and D, and then and then play D and D all week long. I mean, that's I like it. that's worth the price of admission right there. Uh, so they've got it looks like a total of eight weeks that are available between now and uh, ending it on August sixth. They got some uh, registration. Uh, it looks. I tried to find. I think it's like two hundred and twenty dollars per seat for it. Mm-hmm. But it is. Uh, it's between. It's like a, a three-hour session every single day, uh, which it may end up going longer than that. So there's an AM session or a PM session. But I think the thing that I'm the most excited about this for uh, for is the the kids that are. Uh, maybe not outside kids. Maybe they need to get outside more. Maybe they need to stay inside a little bit more. I don't know. If they're outdoorsy kids that are trying to try something new or what. But uh, I think this is cool. I think this is a good way to spend the summer, uh, meet some new friends, learn how to play online. Um, it's a, I think it's a good springboard. And I, and I, uh, I for one, uh, am wholeheartedly behind it. I think it's cool. Uh, I've done not, some additional digging into Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, not only that, you can go onto their website and you can 
get things even when the Kickstarter ends, which is academyofadventures.com. Yes. And the cool thing about that is there is a Dungeon Master summer camp for kids, which I think is yes. hella awesome. I saw that too, so. which is oh, BA, yeah. the next generation of Herald's Guild members. Super excited yeah. about that. Uh, I actually um, – I wish that this was here whenever my son were younger because I would totally send him to it in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. Instead, he had to listen to me pontificate about being a Dungeon Master and mm – -hmm. That's just the worst, as you all mm. already know. So, mm. It's really cool. I love this. And it's this is summertime. This is right in line with it. I'm really excited. I'm more excited than anything else. I'm excited for these kids. I, I, oh, yeah. I hope that they do some follow ups or things like that, testimonials and things like that on uh, the how they do, how well they do. I mean, obviously, they're not gonna. I don't think they're probably gonna put any like posting pictures or anything like that of their sessions or anything. But um, I hope so. That'd be awesome. Well, I mean, well, protecting kids with their identity and stuff like that, that's probably going to, that yeah, needs to be number uh, number one. But uh, even if it was just kind of like a, a log from the Dungeon Masters mm -hmm. of cool things that happened, things that they learned, mm -hmm. and like kid number three instead of Tommy or Jimmy or whatever mm -hmm. it would be pretty cool. Or Susan or Sarah. Yeah. There's some cool people attached to this project as well. The Double Clicks, which are a little band uh, that go to PAXs and things and hold mm -hmm. concerts. They're kind of a nerd band, uh, which is awesome. And then the interior art for their PDF, adventure PDFs and whatnot, are done by Daniel Comerci. Uh Hopefully I'm saying his name right. But Daniel uh, does really cool art that I really, really like. So it's got a pedigree of a couple uh, cool people behind it. So mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, awesome. this is a cool one. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see more of this out there yeah uh you know we did uh we did something similar to it uh, in boy scouts they've established or excuse me bsa now it's like scouting usa or something like that they rebranded it but in, in scouting uh there is a merit badge for game design mm -hmm. and so uh for whenever the adults were all kind of like throwing their hat in the ring for which merit badges they would help the different youths uh, Utes. go over Utes. Thank you, Utes. Joe Pesci. I appreciate that. Whenever, uh, whenever uh, mine was, I was super excited about game design. And so, um, as part of mine, we play video games, board games, learn how to, and then, but the, the designing of a game was centered around designing a D and D adventure That's and cool. teaching them how to play the game. It's pretty cool. So this, that kind of thing, getting them introduced to this kind of, this kind of, uh, fun and entertainment. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Heck yeah. Yeah. I, I love that they, they even, they go into the stuff about like teaching conflict resolution and collaboration, uh, uh, problem solving skills and things like that. Mm -hmm. Things that we've already known about D and D that are helpful for, for kids, math and reasoning, um, creative writing, that kind of stuff. So yeah, really cool. Yeah. Awesome. That's me. That's mine. I love it. I'll throw one of mine out there. Um, I have recently come to really enjoy uh, a show that I had kind of been kind of in my backlog for a little while. This is not a Kickstarter. It's not going to cost you any money. Um, just a little bit of time. Um, Who are you and what have you done with Zach? I know. Um, this is called Tin Cars Tavern. Um, probably some of you are familiar with it already. I see Troy's nodding his head. Tin Cars Tavern is a fellow, uh, Eric Tinkar, who puts out a practically daily video cast uh, uh, on YouTube and whatnot of uh, him talking about RPGs. And typically they're like 10, 15 minutes long. And um, they're pretty great. Uh, he's been around a long time uh, in the in the uh, industry, kind of playing games and, and talking to creators and things like that. And I 
I find a lot of the topics, especially some of the recent ones, to be really engaging and something that I really like listening to his take on. Um, he comes from the OSR field, um, mm-hmm. but he's looking at and evaluating and and looking at the insights in 5th edition and Pathfinder 2 and all these other systems as well. So um, I think it's definitely worth your while. It may not be the, the thing that you want, want to watch every single day, but in my podcast feed now, or my YouTube feed, I should say, um, it's something that I'm always like clicking through just to see if there's a new episode that title grabs me and pulls me in. Holy cow, you're not lying, man. I'm going back through, I'm looking through his backlog. He has got a ton of content on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Holy smokes. Good for him. But like, to your yeah. point, like almost every single day. Crazy. Yeah. 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 He did. He's doing a great job. And um, especially if um, I, I, I can't, I don't know that I can consider myself a grognard, but I, but I uh, cut my teeth in groups of grognards. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that like, that's a perspective that I enjoy listening to uh, someone who's been in the industry, been around RPGs for decades and hasn't just came in the last five years. Mm. Um, so, uh, yo, 10 cars tavern, check them out. Cool. Yep. Troy, a lot of good stuff. Fill us in. Fill you in. All right. I'm going to start off with uh, a, a Kickstarter. Well, both minor mm-hmm. Kickstarters. Um, this one is for all you screeners out there. Mm. You know who you are. Screeners. Uh, this product is called Ledges. Now, this is something to me that a screen would be good for. Ledges are these uh, clear plastic things that you can put over, like almost like a uh, what an initiative card. How mm-hmm. they kind of place them over the top of the of the screens. Well, it has a little lip on the inside facing the DM and you can put different things and hang them on your screen. So mm-hmm. like you can have your phone, you can have a timer, a uh, place for your pens and pencils, post-it notes, uh, areas for your for your mini so that they're up off the table. So while you're work, you know, while you've got all your notes and stuff out, you have all of the stuff that keeps getting in your way up mm-hmm. on your screen and they're clear plastic so you can still read the screen through your ledges. And I, I just thought that was kind of a really cool idea. Something like this, I think anybody would, would benefit from whether you're a screener or not. If uh, if you're like me, I don't use one. I don't use a screen. But you if use I, that term with such disdain, screener. I just want to like I want to point that out. Screener, yeah, screener, screener. P-U. get your hands off me, you <laughs> damn dirty screener. <laughs> uh, but if I had something like off to the side, I could I could hang that kind of stuff up. It would be it would be really cool and helpful to get stuff up off the table um, and out of the way. And I I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cool. If 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 I did use a screen. I would I would do some of these, and you can you can either buy them or you know kickstart them, and they'll send you the actual ledge, or you can buy the STL file if you have a a three D printer and print your own. And I would note just because it's hard to visualize, some of these are just little brackets, but there are some that yeah. actually have some design to them that have little right. like almost like cup holder bowls in their mm-hmm. in their design concept so they could actually hold dice without the dice just falling off the edge or whatnot yeah, yeah. so th- there's some actual design here and it's not just like you know a little bracket that you could probably bend into shape on your own there's there's yeah there's, there's purpose there's to something these. to it yeah, yeah. it's yeah. funny that you found this because this was one of those i actually had this as a news item that i was going to cover <laughs> but i didn't like it you didn't like and it. the reason why i didn't like i love it but i don't like it at the same time right um 
getting more utility out of my DM screen, fine by me. It's a lot of the stuff that they've got in here that they're using it for. Like you said, there you got like a little bowl for your dice if you want to, so that it's mm-hmm. up and out of the way. You have more real estate down on the on the tabletop uh, below. What gets me is the price point. Is just oh, there is it is a rough ridiculous one. unless you're sp- unless you're spending for the big set, which then it gets somewhat reasonable. But yeah. well, I mean, like I'll go and I'll say I'll be the I'll be the one right. So twenty eight dollars for three of them. Mm-hmm. Nope. I'm out. It's a great idea. Don't get me wrong, but I couldn't recommend it to anybody, and I didn't want to crap on it, so I'll do mm-hmm. it now instead. Uh, it's like I said, it's a good idea. It's a good design. I really, really like it. But I think that they need that they need to industrialize it a bit more. I guess right. One hundred and thirty dollars for what is this? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, thirteen dollars mm-hmm. a piece. That's just. I'm sorry. If they if they could, if they could adjust the price point, they've really got something here. Because who do, like how many people do use DM screens? Mm-hmm. Like everybody is a that does use a DM screen is a possible purchaser or a customer of this thing. So if you can get your yeah. price point down, and you can kind of see it in there uh, in the momentum of the uh, of the Kickstarter right now. They've this has been going for for a while, and they've haven't even hit the halfway point yet. So they're gonna they're gonna have to figure out a way to either get with a to get with somebody else to manufacture them for for them or something like that in order to bring that price point down because I wonder the most... if they're if they're printing these themselves and that's why yeah, they, the price I, point's so high. They they very much are. Absolutely. That's in their notes. Yes. So, uh, let me go back on the record in case if they ever find their way to Bite Size Gaming Podcast and they hear this, know that I love the idea. I want these things. They're just too expensive. I just can't, I I can't I can't justify, you know, $15 or more for a little edge. Yeah. Uh, cool. Troy, what else do you have for us? I have Wanderer's Guide to Merchants and Magic mm-hmm. from mm. uh, Eventier Games. And Eventier has been mm. around. Uh, I've heard of them in this is their first Kickstarter, but I've I've heard of them before. I, I, I'm drawing a blank as to where, but I have heard of that name before but this is it's got 20 uh, pre-made magic shops and it has mm-hmm. their their proprietors it's got uh, 100 new magic items um for fifth edition D. new rules and guidelines for trading and pricing magic items including price lists for the most popular 5e items That's cool. and huh. tools and tables to create your own magic shops uh with names descriptions and inventories on the fly <laughs> Um, and it kind of like, it really gives you that, you know, cause that's one thing that, you know, Hey, are there magic shops in town? No, no DM <laughs> wants to deal with that. Mm. Especially if they're, if they're not prepared for it, if they don't have one already ready to go, or it's not a standard in your campaign, you don't want to deal with that mm. because in, in fifth edition, those magic items don't have values in the book. So how much do you charge for it? You know, are you, are you charging enough for the, uh, ever full decanter or are you undercutting too much are you not sucking enough gold out of your players pockets um never never Never. Uh, Hmm. or if they want it like like it says if you want to trade an item well how how much does a plus one sword go for trade value so Mm -hmm. but this gives you some nice rules uh on how to do that there's uh cards for the uh the new magic items they have that you can print and and pass out Mm -hmm. yeah it, it just the artwork is really cool. The stretch goals, they've got, uh, they're going to have Melvin's Meandering Menagerie by Ann Gregerson. Mm-hmm. It, once 10,000 is reached. If 15,000 is reached, Sly Flourish, Mike Shea, is going to do The Bone Merchant. Nice. Mm. That's cool. So. Now, 
and Evan Tier Games, Troy, you I know where you know them. They do the basically the supplement kits for the official modules. So they did like uh, a salt marsh and dragon heist and a descent to yes, Avernus and a yes, frost maiden. Yes. They make the maps and they give you like supplementary encounters and adventures and plot hooks and things like that. Yes. Yeah, I was drawing. Like I said, I I've seen them before. DM's Guild. That's it. Yes. Yeah, I yes. I own some of those things. <laughs> I imagine so. They, these are good resources. Yeah. Boy, that makes me so feel. I'm okay. So I'm looking at the example that they, or the the sample that they gave. Sample pages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is really good. A yeah. DM can really do a lot with this. It's just plug and play, right? And not only and is it plug and play, it's like here's the shop, here's the shop owner. This is how the shop owner feels about bartering, security, inventory. Uh, and if there are any biases, I love yes, that. Yes, the biases. I love that. Right, so you're gonna have cool. advantage if you're young female adventurers, but if you're goody two shoe clerics and paladins, then Luzana doesn't like you very much, mm-hmm. and so they're gonna get, you're gonna get a, a, a raw deal out of her. Yeah. Um, so they got role playing notes, notes on uh, all those stuff that I kind of uh, talked about before. They also have uh, her stat block is in yeah. her, mm-hmm. which she's ridiculous. It's a, a challenge rating thirteen, crazy. Um, it's got a little her um, her little pet three eyed frog is in there. It looks like burp. Yeah, burp. But three eyed frog. Yeah. In addition, though, then now we've, you also have quest hooks. So if you're in yes. there, and then you can like you can use this as a way of like pivoting and moving into something else. If you guys if you kind of need a, a change of pace from the the campaign that you're running with right now, and then it talks about what's in her inventory at, at the time. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like here's a shop. Even if nothing else, I've got a table. I don't have to think about what the price is going to be for a potion of climbing. I don't have to think about. I don't have to like head calc the a bag of holdings cost or anything like that. Or how so many she has? Ex- yeah, right. How many? How many she actually has in uh, in there? And then it gives like a, a like a brief description that goes beyond uh, just like what you would see in the pictures in the in the DMG mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And of course, they've kind of mel- meshed in some of the the new items that they've got in there, like the Hags Delight, Sands of Reminiscence. Mm-hmm. Potion of the Phoenix, things like that, that are also in here too. I'm legit in love with this. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to go ahead and, if for no other reason, they they had me at. It's just really smart. They had Dude, me at the biases is friggin' genius, absolute genius. That's something that like biases should not just be a merchant thing. That is an NPC thing. That is an NPC. NPC Preconceived thing. biases, none. Fine, they don't have any, but maybe they do. Like they have a, mm-hmm. a soft spot in their heart for veterans or for uh, for children or something like that, right? It's like mm-hmm. that, it's where you can yeah. get. Your, it'll be easy. Like your maybe your your persuasion checks are going to be easy. My home will have advantage on it or something like that. Yeah, it's not going to be the thing for every group, but my home group would eat that book alive. Like they, that's exactly what they want, right? Like mm-hmm. so. Well, you know, yeah. you, you know what this gives you when I'm when I'm looking through this for your home campaign. It gives you your Gilmore's glorious goods. It gives mm-hmm. you your invulnerable vagrant. Yeah, yeah. That the people that watch Critical Role, the the, the those two, you know, Gilmore and and uh, what's his name? I just lost it from Invulnerable Vagrant. Uh, I can't, I can't give it to yeah, you. Right Not yeah, right now. Um, those two are some of the most beloved NPCs that that are on that show. Every time, you know, they, they just people just eat it up. That when they're on, so this kind of gives you that way to put that in your campaign, without having to do all the heavy lifting yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I so, think. I mean, I think at this point, it sounds like it's a rounding recommendation from all three of us. Like, hundred oh, percent. Cool, yeah, but, I mean, I, I my it's official. They have my money. 
Yep, they've they've already got my money too, and and they're already funded. They're at and it went up again, almost twelve thousand of a three thousand odd, three odd, three thousand and fifty seven dollar goal. Oh, it's because of euros. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that it's uh yeah European. Let me ask you that I don't what I don't see is a page count. Do you see a page count on here anywhere? I may have missed it. Uh, I see that well they've got con- they got contents like twenty magic shops, hundred items. Yeah, new rules and guidelines. Uh, I think it was in the video. I want to say it's like one hundred twenty pages. Okay. It's pretty small, but that's fine. Yeah, it doesn't have to be yeah, huge. You, do, you, you don't know? need a lot. Yeah, this and is one that I'll probably reasonable too. Yeah, this one, even though it's not that much different, this is probably one that I'm going to back at soft cover, mm. because mm. like it's a reference book. It's not a you know it's something that I'm going to you know pull off the shelf a lot. But at the end of the day, it's not like I, I don't know that I need the hardcover treatment. But that's not to take away from the content. It's just how I vision. Thank you, Shadow right. Zach. Yes, Pumat. Pumat Soul. Yes, yes. But like, what's uh, the difference between the the soft cover? It's like a five euro difference between hardcover and soft cover. Um, right? it is a it is a five euro difference, but I'm imagining that it'll be five euros plus a little bit more shipping. shipping. Mm-hmm. Oh, and sure. yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I just think uh, at the end of the day, for me. Oh no, so. I'm with you. That's fine. Um. Well, here. Let's wrap up this new segment, and then uh, I think we're going to talk about Van Richten's after this. Oh, we just lost Troy. Awesome. Congratulations. Ba-ding. Welcome back. <laughs> Enjoy uh, editing, editing that one out. I was visiting uh, the Invulnerable Vagrant. I was, I was oh, apologizing yeah. to Pumat okay. for forgetting. forgetting the there you go. Uh, so, last topic. John, I promise it's not going to be as bad as you think. It could be okay. worse. Could okay. be worse, but we are going to talk about um, Critical Role ending season two, campaign two this week. Uh, it, what is it going to be? Roughly 140 episodes. It'll be 141. Uh, 141 episodes. Uh, the last episode is supposed to be extra sized. Extra is it's two episodes in one. Seven hours. Yeah. Yeah, it was Which funny I think whenever I saw prob- their social their social media post about it. They're like, "Hey, it's seven it's seven hours long. Please take care of yourselves during that four, that seven hours." So in other yeah. words, get up, stretch your legs. Yeah. <laughs> Please use the bathroom. The uh, well, the, the the break comes at like three hours and forty five minutes or something like that. <laughs> we uh, I think that that's wise of them because we all know how hard it can be to close out an adventure, let alone a campaign, right? And it's just like we're not going to do it in four hours. There's no way. So. Um, I am numerous episodes behind. I know uh, John doesn't doesn't watch. He does not partake. He does not partake. And I know Troy, you're caught up. So we're not going into yes. spoiler territory here. And we're not, I I don't really even think for the news. I think it's noteworthy in that we're not only wrapping that up, um, which is a monumental thing. Two major major uh, stream campaigns at this point. But I'm curious to see. What comes next? Yes. Because um, they could go a bunch of different routes, but I wonder if they're cl- wrapping up this one because they have their new in-house RPG on the horizon. What in-house as in like they've got their own engine? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Non-D&D. Mm, Non-D&D. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I would be fascinated to see. I think that they have the built-in audience who does not care about what system they're running. I think the average person watching doesn't care what system they're running. 
and I this is what a better way to promote your own RPG than to play it for the next two years. Um, yeah, but I kind of wonder, you know, with the fact that you know Wizards helped out with the distribution of the Wild Mount book. That's true. I wonder if there was another deal involved in there somewhere where you yeah. know. Yeah, but uh, this is yeah. this is a monument. Whatever happens has the potential to rattle the the foundations of five E uh, mm-hmm. player base, right? That's why I think this is interesting because if they do switch to something that's non five E, a chunk of the incoming player base goes with them. Yeah, right. Um, if they go hard into AL or just D and D products, whatever. Right. If they steer more towards a collaboration with Watsi, that's going to influence the player base that's incoming. They're the biggest stream, the biggest river pouring into the the hobby. Yep. So where they go is meaningful. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I mean, if uh, if Watsi really wants to increase participation in Adventures League, that's your ticket right there. It, whatever you produce is is going to get your the people that are already in Adventures League. You're going to continue down that path. They're going to play their season 10 stuff, 11, 12, on and on. If you want a way to get new players sunk into AL all the way, right out of the gate, give us a give us a critical role season. That'd be a lot of money. I can I cannot imagine that that that's not going to come with some greenbacks attached. Uh well, okay, so I I find that really hard to believe that that would ever happen and, the, and if if you had told me that they were going to do that possibly do that 15 minutes ago i might say there's a possibility but if they're creating their own game engine right if it's a non dnd product mm-hmm. there's they're separating themselves from dnd at that point yeah it, it, it's tricky because they have their own game publishing house at this point like yeah, they're producing six games in the past six in this period right so like how many of those are a feature of their stream so far none other than them saying we have a board game that came out they haven't played as far as i know their board games or their whatever on stream yet so there is definitely a separation between publishing and streaming with the company i just don't know if they could justify saying we're going to put out an rpg book but we're not going to do it on a live stream it just seems it seems like very timely that if mm-hmm. they're they're this new system is coming out, they're ending their it's ending season two at the same and almost at the at the same time. That seems very very it's deliberate, honestly. Even if very I think that I think that they haven't given a release date on the RPG, but I think they're talking about it in the next year. But they could the best way to build hype for it is to start playing it now mm-hmm. on stream. Or we're so beta that, testing it in front yeah. of in front. We're making we're super well, transparent. Look at us. And if you're gonna be right. and if you're gonna be building hype what you would do right is you would say head on over to our discord or mm-hmm. whatever whatever or sign up for our email list and we'll send you a playtest packet right mm-hmm. use your stream as a way to build that community i agree joe so so joe here in chat is saying uh wouldn't they be walking away from their watsy campaign guide i agree there the question is with a wrap of of campaign two are they done with wild mount anyways and and like, is the money to be made there? They feel like, well, once we close campaign two, Wild Mount isn't going to get sales anymore unless people are going back and watching it. So now's the time to jump into net something else. Well, if they're if they're they why not walk away from the Watsy book? Well, why not? I mean, like if if they come out with their own book, 
And if they're banking on it being wildly successful, then they don't. Ha- that's a cut that they don't have to offer up to, uh, to the altar of uh, Hasbro or Wa- or Watsy. They get to keep the extra for themselves. So why not? Yeah, I would like to see. Also, you know, we never saw what happened when you know Green Ronin lost the rights to produce to publish their first book, and we never saw what came from that. So I'd be curious to know, like, what what does D and D in the back medians of Critical Role? What is the priority of D and D in their minds to them at this point? Uh, because they've let a book go out of print. That's their whole first, like, whole book is out of print for Critical Role. Mm-hmm. And they're they're yeah. I, I'm just fascinated. That, to that's see, the like, Taldorai book. The yeah. Taldorai book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Taldorai. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, that is that. There's there's something happening over there, and I think within the next month we're gonna know what it is, right? Where the stream goes, there goes the the company. I think by and large, it'd, it'd be interesting to see where that heads. And maybe we'll get two streams, right? Maybe it'll be like Matt's gonna run this one, and so and so is gonna run this one, and we're gonna produce two shows because we want to promote the RPG, but we don't want to leave behind Fifth Edition, so we're gonna do both. Hmm. I I have a feeling that it will be it whatever their whatever their uh, RPG is, it will be just another show. Yeah, the probably. Crit- so. crit- critical Role will stay D and D, and they will produce another show because you don't have to have all the same people on it. They do other things already and have different people come in. So mm-hmm. I think this might be a way to also broaden their and offerings. they're not. They're not distancing themselves whole wholeheartedly from D and D at this point because we just talked about the other week where um, one of their stars came onto D and D Beyond and talked about Domains of Dread and uh, Van Richten's Guide. So, like, mm-hmm. obviously, there's not bad blood there at this point. I don't think it's that. I just think when you're getting ready to hype your own system, you have to start weighing like how much are we going to promote the quote unquote competition, but. It'll be interesting. We'll know. We'll know in a month. There's no way that we don't know. Well, it could be. I mean, it it might be a lot longer than a month because the last time you know, when campaign one ended, it was three months before they came out. There um, were three months, but they were pushing. They were promoting campaign two at the end of campaign one. So there's they. It we'll know what's in store within a bit. Yeah. Um. There, there has already been two of the cast members, Sam and Liam, have already announced that they know their class and race combinations for the next campaign. Oh well, there you go. Mm. There you go. Awesome. Cool. Well, hopefully that wasn't too painful for you, John. Um, it's alright. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, uh, I did. I watched episode one forty <gasps> the other day. Mm-hmm. Or actually, yesterday I finished it up. It's, it's good. Mm. It, it's. It's a roller coaster. Hmm. If if you're a fan of any kind, it is a roller coaster. And now I have already said that I listen to Critical Role mm-hmm. when I drive. I mm-hmm. watched this episode, and mm. I'm glad I did, because to watch the cast go through this, the players, it, it to me, it showed how invested people can get in these games with with their characters and how. It's real. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, if if you're if you're like me, you watched uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring at the end. You know, spoiler alert: when when Boromir makes his last stand and then and finally falls, and when Aragorn comes to him at the end. If if you don't tear up, 
you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think I know. Who, I don't want to know who you are. Then you're dead to me. Yeah, you're dead inside. You, and you're dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, watching that, the obviously these characters aren't aren't real. But it's it's such a real thing for us. And watching these players get so invested in what's going on, it was it was very moving to watch some of the reactions that these people were having as to what was going on. And at the end, it was it was awesome how how the dice actually really helped and influenced the story. That's very cool. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to stop there because we're, we don't want to get into spoilers or anything like that. And okay, I feel cool. like that's a good spot to wrap it up. Um, we're going to go refill our drinks and we're going to come back uh, very, very soon in yes, just seconds to talk about Van Richten's chapter one. Welcome back. Our drinks are refilled, and uh, we're getting ready to dive into Van Richten's. Getting sucked into the mists. It's very now, spooky in here spooky. right now. We were talking before uh, going live, and... I think that we're all in agreement, at least so far, and not all of us have gotten through the entirety of the book. But I think so far, we really feel like the content ratio of content quality is pretty high. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in this one. Um, so far, I think that this is one of their better books for 5e. That sounded so non-committal well it's one of the yeah okay so here i I was trying to think and i'm like do i really is it really fair to compare this to an adventure book or to a player option book and then i decided yes it is it i think this is one of the best dm facing books Mm. so far well they're really do you feel do do you feel the same way about eberron though because it's it's a lot of lore, mm. or is it because of uh, is it options that are in no, there, this or is it it's kind not of about building stuff lore. or what? Uh, well, the way I look at it, I mean, I guess we're just going to jump right in. <laughs> Chapter one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Is the 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 character creation? Um, it goes through uh, the the first part, haunted heroes, and right in in that little part of that chapter i think they've got some great advice for any campaign not just a horror-based campaign and the bullet points that they they shout out focus on the game yeah and this is for players to kind of like read through but i think it should be kind of something that goes for every campaign and maybe they should take some of these bullets and hand them to their adventure bullet number two bullet number two i knew that was coming (laughs) <laughs> we have not flogged that horse enough, I say. What's that? Limit the comedy? <laughs> yes. Limit the ice skating walruses? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And see, and, and I will say that that is, when I read that, I it kind of like made me mad. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh, so you want to write an entire horror adventure, but you feel you have to inject comedy into that. But if we're going to run a campaign and you players are going to play in it, and it's going to be horror-based. Hey, don't make jokes. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Whatever. Who do we got Who do we got watching us tonight? I may call out some names, so I know uh, this is not... This is great material for the podcast, but uh, 
just so I know if they're watching, I can reference them. We've got uh, Girk, Craig, and Champa. Okay, perfect. Great. So none of my players, so I can I can freely address can them, freely and they won't hear until after the fact. Perfect. Yeah. So you said focus on the game, limit comedy. Limit comedy. The next one, player fears versus character fears versus character fears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about you know, like don't don't prey on a character on on a player's fear. S- that's this one I think is iffy though it, because yeah. it says understand the difference between scaring characters and scaring players. I agree with that one hundred percent. Fair. If you and then it says if you know you're a player has a fear of spiders, never employ that knowledge when contributing to a creepy scene. I disagree with that. I think that it's sometimes knowing where your players' fears lie, as long as you have the trust built in. Yes, if there's trust, is a great w- yes way to kind of wrangle some of that and use some of that innate um uh true fear yes to mm-hmm. inform the game i think can be well, it useful. helps you like if you use it very lightly you're able to build some tension for the actual the the player the character fear fear right yeah. it just yeah. kind of puts them in the headspace of either being afraid or preparing themselves mentally and emotionally for the fear element you know yeah it kind of puts them on their heels a little bit right i think that that's yeah. fair we're not talking about you know, if they're afraid of spiders, you know, having them spend the entire adventure on that. But well, know. and the next bullet, which is consent as a priority, yeah, go, should just go. That, that yeah. should have just been like that's the bullet that should have came before and should lead in. Right? Is yeah. like as long as you have that consent from that player that to use their fear of spiders in certain ways and certain elements, right. then I think that that becomes a tool to to like John said, put their emotion on the right place. Honestly, that one, consent is a priority and know what's too far. Those should have been the very first ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. Yeah. And then add to your own terror. And, um, yeah. yeah. The last two are the two that I loved the most. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've been kind of kicking around in my own head for my campaigns. And it's not something that you can really do probably in organized play. Because, you know, a lot of these things, it's, it's kind of hard to do in organized play because you don't have that ability to build that trust mm. right away unless it's a, you know, a player that has returned to your table several times. But the adding to your own terror, don't just go based on if you succeeded against this on the saving throw or not. If a dragon drops in front of you and it's, you know, 40 feet long breathing fire... I don't care how badass your character is. He's going to shit a brick. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love, I'll commend one of my players right now. This is actually a decision that was made just a couple weeks ago. They had a choice of two paths. And one of my players is deathly afraid of spiders. Uh, and to a certain degree, I mean, I, I say deathly, but has a fear of spiders that is significant. And one of the pathways, they knew there'd be spiders. And he, they chose, along with him, to go down that path. And to him, that was, A, an opportunity to kind of add to your terror, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And also he knew that it would be, he, he was ready for that. But then it kind of was then fun to, like, that played into the group's tension going into that. And I thought that was there's a great even thing. A, so. there's a, I'm sure that there's a level of catharsis that comes, comes with it, too, where... 
it's you're in a safe environment where you can face your fear. There is no actual spider that you're going to have to face off against. There might be a miniature or a an image of it on roll 20 or something like that, but you can talk about it and it's something that will kind of help, you know, buttress up your own fears against that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not, is, not to make it like a group therapy session or anything like that, but I mean, oh, yeah. that's something that could definitely come from it. Well, let's be honest though. A D&D game is a group therapy session if done correctly. I mean, it certainly can be. Yeah. I mean, I know people. I mean, I've been one of them. You're you're weak as crap. You're stressed to the max. You're you just want to you know strangle your boss or or whatever. And as long as you can make it to that D and D session, you know you kind of just have a ah. Oh. Well, and I don't want to put words in this person's mouth, but um, I'll, so I'll, I'll I'll say I'll I'll be general here, but he communicated that the character conquering the thing that he had fears related to was helping him kind of know that it is something that can be conquered, right? My character can go kill spiders. I can move my character even next to spiders, right? Think about it that way, right? Probably one of the only times they've ever willingly moved closer to that. In psychiatry and therapy, it's, one of the ways yeah, that you, it's a mental one of the ways you, you manage really a phobia useful, yeah. is through exposure therapy. Yeah. Where you don't have to stick your hand into a box full of spiders, but just looking at a picture of a spider and letting it be there and not freaking out and not crawling yeah. up the side of the wall. No pun yeah. intended. But. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get to that in a little bit when we talk about the damp here. Yeah. Uh, I, I, one, of the, the, one of these that I really enjoyed, I think... Out of out of all of these is enjoying the struggle though. Yeah, uh, yeah. enjoy the struggle. This one is not everyone can expect to escape a horror story unscathed. That's really important. If you're if you're buying into the horror aspect, the the dark, the the gritty, the grim, then your your characters there's a good chance that they're gonna lose an eye, a limb. It's gonna be replaced with a hook. You're gonna lose people. You're gonna lose other characters. NPCs are going to die. It's it's like have you ever watched a yeah. horror movie before? Loss yeah. is a part of horror, mm-hmm. right? Losing yeah. a person permanently, or uh, and then like getting like whittling down the group to a, yeah. a smaller group, and then having like the loneliness and the the overwhelming mm-hmm. odds against against that evil is really really important to the story. And I yeah. for my players, if you're listening to this i think it's uh we actually had something similar that happened on friday my last friday game where they had a it was a loss it wasn't mm. a hor- horrific loss but it was a loss and i think that there was some consternation from one or two of the players about the fact that they couldn't that they felt like it was a a, a no-win scenario based mm. on kind of the way that the path that it took and it wasn't built to be a no-win scenario but they definitely they made the right choice i feel in not resorting to an actual physical conflict and kind of like surrendering and giving giving up some stuff and like contrition right Mm -hmm. we'll we'll sacrifice these things in order to get out of the trouble that we're in uh kind of stuff they saw that as a loss and you know i guess it kind of was but it's also part of the arc right you got Mm -hmm. the the wheel of the hero the circle that the hero goes through part of that is like the loss and the defeat before they kind of the uptick comes back around and you have that 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 triumphant element well and that's that helps set that tone so well. I you said Friday, my last Monday game, we had a character death, mm-hmm. and it's it's a horror ish campaign, and I had two of the other players, one willing to sacrifice their character for that other one that had just died, and another one that was 
trying to pull everything out of their pockets and backpacks to find an an find a solution, right? Mm-hmm. And I will commend that third person, the person who died, the characters who died. That player was emphatic that they were going to die. That a death was a death in this moment because it mm-hmm. fit the mood, it fit the presentation, right? And that's that's someone who understands this, right? The struggle. He's yeah. he he can go make another character. What he's actually doing is placing that struggle onto all the other players at the table and the characters at the table by like, nope, you have to live with this person who's been with you for a campaign and a half is mm-hmm. now no longer here. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that that's a great, that like that's a memorable thing that he made sure they didn't take away from themselves. Mm. Yeah. 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 So like to, to the, enjoying the struggle a lot of players i feel just completely ignore the struggle and and in fact they they rail against the struggle Mm. because it's no you i i need a better armor class no i need you know a plus four weapon or whatever i don't want to be hit yeah i don't want to be hit i'm always going to stay in the back and and Mm, yes i i can dish out some major damage if i'm standing toe-to-toe with somebody but i'm going to stay back here and shoot arrows or something like that yeah and here here's my argument would john mcclain be as cool of a character if he had shoes (laughs) yeah it's as simple as that, right? Like, yeah. the it's the struggles that make it interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's and if there the, are no struggles, it's not interesting. Yeah, it's I don't have everything I need to do this job, but I have to do this job because I'm yeah. the guy. Right, and then and licking your wounds at the end of a defeat, or you know, getting your your butt handed to you as a character is important because now there's a motivation to either do one or two things. One or three things, really. Status quo, keep doing the things I think I've been doing. Quint or get really pissed off, get back up, and then plow towards whatever whatever it was that defeated me. Yeah, right? cowboy up. Yeah, yeah. Use, that as like, use that as a motivation. That's now character motivation against that specific thing that beat the party or beat the group, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to Girk's point, yes, go find some Crocs. Yeah. Uh, so, man, we've gotten through like... The first two paragraphs yeah, of this book, yeah, right? Look at that. Like, it only took us fifteen minutes. This could be a quickie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so so that's that's good meat right there. Now mm-hmm. we're getting into let's let's cover. I think this this chapter it could have been a little bit better organized. I think because I think maybe we should talk about player options now and then bounce back to things like um, dark gifts and. Yeah, cover that kind of at the end, right? Um, So the next thing that this chapter talks about is the three new races that we're getting. And they're not really races. They're calling them lineages, but they're not really even lineages. They're like templates. They're templates, right? Like like they were in in third edition. They could be races. They're allowing Mm. for that. I mean, the reborn is not a race. Hexblood's not a race, is it? Dampier? Well, okay, but let me let maybe Dampier okay. kind of like Alucard in Castlevania kind of thing. Maybe it is a hag something before it's a hag. That depends on how you how you want to roll it out, right. right? So, like that. That's why I'm saying like that could be a race, or it could be. So there's so there's Dampier, which are kind of like vampire half vampire things. Hexbloods, which are like creatures that 
are going to be hags or have hag blood in them, right? They, but are yeah. not hags yet. And then reborn, which are your Frankenstein mm. monsters, basically. The, the crow. So, yeah, yeah. the The deal with reborn, though, is that like sometimes they're an amalgamation, right? right. So that you can't say mm. this is a half orc that's been brought up because partially half orc, partially drow, partially human, all fused together and got some clockwork thrown in there for good measure. What do we think about, like, I know that all of these have little bits and bobs abilities, but what do we think about these three uh, lineages as a whole? Uh, I, I would want to play one of these as a player, which tells me enough, right? I, I, I don't know how I feel about them being at the table, because that's really tough if they're not, like, as a DM, right? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how they're going to end up playing. They seem, at least, on at, at face value, they seem pretty balanced there are some weird things that they're doing now that they traditionally have not done with races mm-hmm. that are interesting uh like mm-hmm. uh super super flexible kind of tasha's the post tasha right the post tasha race slash species uh attributes distribution you can you can see that flavored here uh and we'll talk a little bit more i'm sure zach's got some pretty strong feelings about uh, the subclasses so i'll hold off on some of that but mechanically at least one of the things that, that they're starting to you're starting to see them do now is uh relying on proficiency bonuses for uh resource management of uh racial abilities yeah which is really almost every racial ability was set to a long rest before this Mm-hmm. And now a lot of them are set to proficiency bonus, which makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually okay with this because what it's saying is we want your race to inject more flavor into your day-to-day play, mm-hmm. right? And this is a way to do that, and I like it. The other way, it's like, well, maybe once every other session or even every once in a blue moon, I'm going to use my racial abilities. Now it's like, no, you're pretty much going to use this if not every session, just about, Mm -hmm. and maybe sometimes multiple times a session. And that's going to make you feel your reborn warlock is going to feel more unique than another races, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Hexblade warlock or whatever. Right. I I feel like they're finally realizing that there's this low hanging fruit that's been in front of them since the inception of five E that they can start using for resource management, proficiency bonuses and, Hit die. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the problem with proficiency bonus, and it's great that they're tied it to a race. Um, It's a little bit more iffy when they tie it to a subclass, but when they tie it to a race, it's great. The problem with proficiency bonus is that it's really, really easy to break it with um, multi-classing if you're not Mm -hmm. careful in subclasses, right? Because if you say, oh, this ability lets you get a D6 that increases with your proficiency bonus, number of times per day equal to your proficiency bonus, and you get it at level two with this subclass, well, everybody and their mom is going to dip in two levels to grab that because it's going to scale even when you go back to your other class. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're trying to avoid. But I agree, it's, it's a great metric that they haven't utilized fully. Theme wise, I mean, no brainer. They're cool. Yeah. They 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 they're feel cool. this is Ravenloft, right? You've got yeah. Reborn, which I like the fact that Reborn can be interpreted in a couple of different paths, yeah. right? It could be a, the Frankenstein's monster, or it could be Eric Draven, the crow, yeah. right? So it could be a revenant light, or it could be a construct of some sort. Or, or way way you know, here's a throwback: the wraith. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, are we talking the wraith like the movie? Yes. 
Oh my god! With the car. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Zach's Zach's looking blankly. I have no idea. I have no idea what you're talking about. Find it. Watch it. It's so it's so terrible and good. So terribly good. Yeah. It's terribly good. Good stuff. I was. You know what got me excited? In the damn pier, they have hungers, right? A hunger table, right? So blood, flesh. And life energy were on there, but ones that I really dug were dreams. You could be hungry for uh-huh. people's dreams. That was awesome. It allows you to have a non-visceral mm-hmm. dampier, which yeah. is going to be cool for some people's imagining. And then the one that like really got me is like, oh, that's cool, is the cerebral spinal fluid. <laughs> I read I was that like, like, oh. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay, like, so what you could eat, well, the good the good thing about all of these tables in, in every every one of these books is that even though it's there are six here yeah it's whatever you want to do right you can roll there's enough there to be like to give you ideas so if you want to be marceline the vampire queen and and suck the color red out of things then you could totally do that that's like your hunger right that you could end up having now well and I, i say that to say this that having a like the dark hero or the dark character that's struggling against something like that a la blade or something like that that's mm-hmm. I, that's something that's cool right well i love the idea like immediately it, it allows you to kind of step outside the traditional idea of what a vampire looks like and feels like when you do mm-hmm. these things right like when i saw spinal fluid i'm like like a big barbarian vampire that's like bane right that's like mm-hmm. breaking Break batman's open. back to to like like a cracking like, like a, a like a lobster claw <laughs> or like like a like a little shrimp right he's, he's like yeah. a little shrimp yeah <laughs> yeah exactly uh, I, so I, I love some of the flavor in this i thought it was really good i saw life energy and i thought of you know what we do in the shadows yeah the oh, the, yeah. the one vampire that when he enters the room everybody's kind of like oh man you're sucking my life force man (laughs) what i thought so i thought those were yeah the cool thing that you could do with this too is you can rename it yes if you Mm -hmm. do that it's it's not a dump here it's like illithid touched or that's what i was thinking too because like you could do you could do psychic energy and he could it could be some kind of a uh an illithid thing because if you look through Mm. this thing all of the everything's still there you know the Mm -hmm. bite can be doesn't have to be like a traditional vampire bite. It could be something else, right? It could be some kind of like Vulcan mind meld. Mouth on the hand. Mouth on the hand. Oh my gosh. Of course, I immediately thought of Vampire Hunter D whenever Dom Pierre showed up. I was very excited. So (laughs) all of my dreams. Uh, All of my dreams. Let's bounce real quick over to backgrounds because I think that'll just take a moment. There's only Mm -hmm. two new backgrounds. Um, The Haunted one, which we've had for forever. It's not new. They just (laughs) threw it back in. Um, and then Investigator, which I think is a great new background. Yes. It's pretty simple. I but it but yeah, sure, absolutely. I think this is a great a great background is hard to do these days mm-hmm. because um uh, especially if you're not doing a new setting like Cholt or something like that where you can go really bizarre. But in Investigator is one that we don't really have that we've explored some in classes for Rogue but we don't have a background that lets other classes kind of pick that up and play with it. So yeah. yeah, I actually like, I like the feature on this one too. Official inquiry. This gives you a lot of some RP flex, right? Not, yeah. not only is it the way that the kind of the way that broad groups perceive you or interact with you, but mm-hmm. how more general, like specific ones like law enforcement. I like that. It's almost the, <laughs> like Ichabod crane from 
oh. Sleepy Hollow, where he's either a nuisance or like this super genius. You know, well, it's Sherlock, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sherlock Holmes, especially in some of the newer ones, where he's like, mm-hmm. "Why are we using this guy?" Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. I really like that. Um, and then we come to subclasses, um, mm-hmm. and we have a new subclass for two classes: Bard and Warlock. We have the Bard College of Spirits. We have the warlock, the undead patron. Um, yeah, I have strong opinions on both of these, but for different reasons, is the truth, right? I don't know that we need to go like ability by ability on either one of these. I don't like. Well, just I, I think mean, just 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 dive in, just go for it. If we do, we do. Okay. Well, okay. So bards always have a chance to be a really cool subclass with some really interesting flavor bard college of spirits it's basically uh you know that oracle that that seance uh infused bard i really think that's a cool flavor they have the college of whispers already and this kind of picks at that a little bit but they get the guidance cantrip um at an extended Uh, range go ahead i was about to say that's that is a very important distinction it goes from touch to 60 feet range. Yeah. That is significant. That's, that is a significant is, power bump for that cantrip. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that is one yeah. of those where at your table, guidance just gets friggin' spammed by your players. It's like yep. guidance, macro guidance, button. Guidance, yeah. Hit it every single yep. time, right? Yep, exactly. Uh, so that's that. It, the beauty, the nice thing about this is that it typically doesn't influence combat in any effective way. Right. So, yeah. So it's a fine, like, just role play thing. Then you get spiritual focus, which is basically you can use more things as a spellcasting focus than normal. Like crystal ball, skulls, spirit board, tarot deck. We, mm. You already should be doing this. If you're a DM, okay, I'm going to be soft here, but why not? If you're a DM worth your salt, you're letting your character have whatever the hell they want for their um, spellcasting focus at this point. Like, it doesn't break anything. It doesn't break anything. It's, it's a flavor it thing. Could be, it like, could be a stuffed teddy bear that they've had since they were a child. That's their, that's yeah. their spell focus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, sure, good, great, awesome. You're letting us do more things than hopefully we're already doing all those things. Um, and you can already have a crystal, so saying that you can have a sphere crystal isn't expanding the <laughs> what you're allowing us to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but then, starting at 6th level, anytime you cast a bard spell that deals damage or heals, you roll a d6 and add it to the number. Across the board. Boom. Every time. It's Bards are already just fine spellcasters. They're not weak, but but they're not supposed to be dealing damage most of the time or healing most of the time. So in my mind, this is where the problems really start because this is a, in my opinion, this is an ability that doesn't understand what the bard's role is because the bard is the support character who's throwing out boons and banes, mm-hmm. right? They're the control. They're the character who is literally casting bane or bless or aid or blah 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 like all of these things that they haste banishment uh dissonant whispers like these are the tools of the bards that the bard pulls out all the time this is encouraging you to look elsewhere and the bard isn't good at those other things so it's trying to bring up something that they're not great at to just going to make the bard more mediocre across the board by saying that they can have more damage because reasons well not just damage but also healing Right? Yeah, it's it's one or it's not just one or the other, and you get to pick at six level. It's 
all of your healing does 1d6 more all of your damage does one does 1d6 more which is not doesn't seem like a lot but it really adds up especially the healing in particular between yes. the two i think i agree i'm just saying like that th this is this if you're going to make a healing bard cool but let's focus on a healing bard I don't like this, like, oh, we're just going to make them better at this stuff because whatever. Like, it doesn't make even sense. It's just saying, when you use a spiritual focus, you get to roll an extra D6. We don't have any reason why. It's just a thing that's there. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem. Tales from Beyond is where it gets really, in my opinion, really bad. Um, because you're using your Bardic Inspiration as a bonus action to roll a dice and then you're picking a character that you can see within 30 feet of you which could be you and it could be an ally or it could be an enemy and you're giving them the effect and if it requires a saving throw they have to make a spell save there's so much to this mm -hmm. right bardic inspiration is so great because it's literally me saying here here's a die you hold on to it and roll it whenever you want to it takes two seconds in a game okay. this is saying i'm going to roll a dice I'm going to roll a D12, consult this chart, which has poison conditions, frightened conditions, extra hit points. It's good things, bad things, all things here. Yeah. And then I'm going to pick one person to have it. And then if, if it's a bad thing, they have to make a save. And I'm doing all of that in addition to all my regular action. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, that's a bonus action. It's, it's, it's very much like the the chaos magic barbarian rolling yep. on all these charts and yep. getting their pixie or their flump or whatever that's going yep. to explode. And it's like, they're, they're fine. They're fun. But I do notice that when those kinds of characters come across the table, it comes to their turn. Yeah. We got to slow down. It, it's going to get worse too. At 14th level, we're going to skip the sixth level ability for a second, but 14th, you get to roll twice on the table yeah. and pick which one. So it's like, Let's just, you know, make your turn take five minutes every single time you have Bardic Inspiration, which is a lot, right? Like, you have a lot of Bardic Inspiration dice to throw around. Five or six, right? Like, it, it's just going to be a mess. So I'm going to, and then six level ability. Um, it's ba This is a good one. I don't hate it. Uh, I actually do like it. It's basically their Song of Rest, but they can choose to do this other thing instead. It's an mm -hmm. hour-long ritual. You conduct it with other willing creatures, probably your party, um, and you get to learn a spell of your choice from any class up to a spell level equal to the number of people that are participating in your activity or your highest uh, spell level, spell slot level or whatever, mm -hmm. whichever is higher. That, or whichever and that seems better. kind of, I don't know, it seems like extra for the, the number of members in the, the, the your, that are a part of the, the group. Yeah, or it, it just seems like it seems really arbitrary. Yeah, like, it does. Crap? It does. But the beauty of this is that it doesn't slow down combat. I'm with you. No, it's a, I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad. I, I like this more yeah. than the other stuff that they've they put out yeah. so far uh, above it. But because it's it's kind of like a nice to have. Like if you want to have that fireball that you don't have in tow or lightning bolt, it gives or whatever you something to do right as a bard right. as well. Like when other people are doing all their stuff or role-playing this gives your bard something that they can be like oh while well, the fighter doing blah, blah blah i'm gonna flip through while the ranger is searching for the trail in this 20 mm -hmm. minute stretch that we have i hear something i can do yep and it's great like i like it 
And the fact that it's any spell makes it clean, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, well, you can pick from these three spell lists. It's like, just pick a spell. We don't care. Yeah, just pick one. Yeah. And it's only once per long rest. So it's not like yeah. you're going to spam this thing every short rest. Yeah. So I think, in summary, the bard is just muddled down too much. And it's not, I don't think it's going to feel overpowered. I think it's going to feel exhausting at your table. Yeah. I, the, the, the disappointment from this subclass for me comes from the last sentence right under Bard College of Spirits. Such spirits are capricious, though, and what a bard summons isn't entirely under your control. Where is that? Yeah, they're not summoning anything. They're, the, the spirit tales are, yeah, it's just dumb. It should have been cards. It should have been, if you're going to do it, you, yeah, anyhow, never mind. Well, I mean, I, I love the idea of, oh, yeah, you're summoning spirits to do this stuff, and that's why, that's why Guiding Whispers now has a range of 60 feet because you're actually yeah. sending the spirit yep. To, yep. to deliver the guidance. That's cool. Mm -hmm. But what about the spirit that isn't entirely under your control? If you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna make me roll extra crap during a combat round and stuff like that, then mm -hmm. give me some cool stuff that can happen. Like I'm gonna guidance you for this thing. Now I have to roll on a chart, and the spirit that I ended up summoning is kind of a wang rod, and it just gave guidance to the bad guy. Yeah, or something. Yeah, and we're gonna get to that sort of really cool stuff here in our next section, which is the dark gifts. We get there. That that's got your. That's your, got some cool. But I yeah. mean, unless yeah, I I don't know. It's like there's not there's nothing else in here unless I've just read through this thing way too fast. There's nothing else that these spirits that you're summoning that could be a, a negative. Yep, I agree. So why? What's the point? Yep. It doesn't carry the flavor. Yeah, yes. don't don't put yes. the flavor in there if you're not going to give it to me in the rules. Exactly. Because now you're just now you're just lying to me again, and you're you're giving me rhyme of the frost maiden all over again. Yep. Uh, so the warlock is a different tale of woe. Hmm. Um, this Whoa. warlock it is just so the undead warlock has an undead patron that could be a Serac, uh cast the bloody handed a lich queen Draco lich like that's kind of what they're going for as your patron. Basically, what they decided was they were just gonna make make a warlock more powerful. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. there is one really interesting thing that this does, and they they hobbled it to a bad mechanic, right? Which I I honestly think it's a waste of our time to talk about all the abilities that this gets because just imagine a warlock only harder to kill. Yeah, and that's what this one is. Yeah, well, on the one that that centers. All, all of its, it pivots everything off of necro necrotic damage, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Like, you want to be immune to, you want to be resistant to not necrotic damage? Do you want to be immune to necrotic damage? Do you only want to use ne necrotic, necrotic damage? Necrotic Do you want to yeah. deal additional necrotic damage? Necro, 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 necro. Yeah, and, and, and don't they have stuff in there that's like, oh, and if your foe is immune or resistant, it, bur it burns through that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is like, necrotic damage resistance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you get like, resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage at, at at a later point. Like, it just is. It's a it's a class that's like, oh, the warlock sucks. Let's just make it better. And it doesn't give any interesting flavor, except for. And I think this is the point that we touch on here. Their tenth level ability. 
ability, Necrotic Husk, which is where you get resistance to necrotic damage. If you're transformed using your form of dread, which is an earlier ability, you instead become immune to necrotic damage. In addition, when you're reduced to zero hit points, you can use your reaction to drop to one hit point instead. We're already used to this with the half-orc. Half-orc, mm -hmm. yep. Right? So no problem. I don't have any problem with that. And then your body erupts with deadly energy. Each creature of your choice that is within 30 feet of you takes necrotic damage equal to 2d10 plus your warlock level. You then gain one level of exhaustion. That's all awesome, I think. 10th mm -hmm. level, 2d10 plus your Warlock level, so you're going to deal 20 points of necrotic damage to everybody at the 30 feet that you choose. That's cool. You're getting a level of exhaustion for it. That's a great call. Like, everything about this is great. And then at the end, they do something that has never been done in 5th edition. And probably shouldn't be. And probably no, shouldn't, shouldn't be. shouldn't be. Yeah. Once you use this reaction, you can't do so again until you finish 1d4 long rest it's not a long rest not a short rest no they're they're tying random to four mm -hmm. yeah, up to four yep it if if you wanted to say that this ability is too powerful for once a long rest the the most rational step is to say every two long rests that's twice as bad and consistent i'm not saying that that's a perfect answer but it's way better than 1d4 where I or would you, do, or you tinker with the, the numbers, reduce them enough to where you feel comfortable enough doing it once per long rest. Uh, I would keep it at one long rest, but what I would do instead is when your body erupts with that uh, deathly energy, it is it Everyone. affects a number of creatures, maybe up to your proficiency bonus. Just or let Just it hit allies too. That's what I'm if saying. You want it, to, it has you... to, it has to hit, it has to affect at least. That many creatures. Yeah. And if the only people that are near you are your allies, sorry about mm -hmm. your luck. Well, Alpha Friend, you guys are getting fire. hit. Well, what well, this one seems like, a lot yeah. like is this feels a lot like uh, Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, right? It's almost like they took the from the playbook with Dompier and now with this, there's a character in the sequel that would die. It's one of like the 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 other hunters that would die and they were, they would project their spirit and be this like this idolin of like mm -hmm. awesomeness shooting laser beams that killed undead which that sounds really cool on paper and it's neat in a movie but the way the way that they did it mechanically here doesn't there's there's a complete lack of consistency across mm -hmm. the board like nothing else does this anywhere else that I've ever seen in any other classes or any other abilities it just feels And that's not really always a bad place. thing it yeah. does that's yeah. not a bad thing like I'm going to be the first to say there are times that I've made subclasses for players or books or whatever and like part of writing a subclass is saying what can I do that's different because I don't no. want to just retread right well we but said the same thing about like, right right you're right exactly this feels like an arbitrarily tacked on new thing and not something that was actually necessary it feels like third edition is what it feels like to me that's a third edition thing it's like at an, an unnecessarily an unnecessary level of complexity being tacked yeah. on another thing for you to have to track and now like and to tick a checkbox off every time that it happens and all of this upkeep and uh, yeah. yeah and administrivia that you're having to, to keep up with that's and, a third and, edition and thing. it's it's almost like well we're making these subclasses more badass mm -hmm. so in order to counterbalance that let's just slap some annoying crap on it yep. some annoying bookkeeping in and in, in you know accounting to deal with to it's like 
that's not how you balance these things. If you're if you're looking for balance, which is what D and D has been concerned with for several editions now, is the balance. This is not balanced. You're yeah. you're you're making these subclasses. You're doing the whole Gloomstalker Ranger thing. You're you're making a, a subclass that eventually, if you keep becomes a class. Yeah, if you keep going down this line of making subclasses, you're only going to have a couple subclasses that any player is going to pick from, unless yeah. you get the true role player that wants to do something cool like that. But oh no, if I want to be effective in combat, I have to be this. Yeah. This is the, but I mean, really what we're talking about, this is not new. Every single edition, there's power creep. And, and well, yeah, every, there, there's, there's third, there's fourth. power creep, but this is getting lazy. It was, it's all over Tasha's. It's all over this now, as far as character options. And then we go to patron St. Matt Colville and look at his ill rigor. And it's got stuff that has never been done in fifth edition before, but it's freaking cool. And it's not arbitrary and it's not stupid and it's not let's just tack this on to make it whatever it gives a feeling it gives a flavor and it carries it all the way through well i think there's well to be fair though i think there's i like the flavor of this this subclass i like this subclass i don't like the way that they've executed i like the the idea of it yeah, that's what I'm saying. The flavor is good, and I understand where they were trying to go with it. It's almost like there was a lack of quality control on this one. Like, I know that it got thrown out there with the UA, and then I don't know what feedback they've got. Like, not powerful enough. It's, it's like I'm sure, like, at least half of the responses are like not powerful. I think enough, they're. I seems. think they're. I think Watsi is gun shy of creating another Ranger. Mm. You know, oh, we can't put anything out that this week. I I'll tell you, people I, will hammer on it. I'll pitch you a different thing. I think that they are straining at the constraints of not having any more classes. I think that this sort of bizarro complexity that we're seeing from the Bard is somebody within Watsi really wanting to do something different, but they have Mm -hmm. to do, they have to play within the grounds of the 13 classes that they have. And they're saying, well, let's just flip it on its head. Let's, let's go crazy with it. It's like that energy should have been applied towards putting a class out into play test, right? Like it's just somebody, to me, it's a cry for variations outside the norm. And we should be having a few classes that are peaking their, you know, rearing up their heads at this point. I, I would agree with that. If one of these subclasses or even in like Tasha's, the subclasses were like, Oh, I, I, I see what they're doing. They wanted to create, let's say a summoner, mm-hmm. but we don't have a summoner class in D and D fifth edition. Well, it's a psionic so, thing, right? So we're pushing it mm-hmm. all into this bard to make yeah. a bard that's like the summoner. But I don't get that from these. This is an oracle. Like this bard, I think, is an oracle by a different name. And an oracle was a whole class of its own, at least in the Pathfinder. I don't remember if it was in three point five or not. Well, I, I guess yeah. yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't feel like an oracle to me. It feels like. I don't know what yeah. it feels like. Fair enough. I look. That's this is two pages of this monstrous book, right? Subclasses yeah. <laughs> are so we've 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 poo pooed on that for a long time. I I would like to take us into something like again. We think that this book is a great book. So let's round off this episode by diving into something that we all I think really like, which is dark gifts. Yeah. Yeah, they're really cool. 
I like presents. Uh, so this is the idea. We're going to peek at an, an episode that's in the pipe. But this idea is somewhat similar to the idea of a warlock, right? You have a powerful, sinister being who is willing to give you X, Y, and Z, typically in this one, uh, skill and language proficiencies or things like that, in exchange for bad things. And bad things are typically, at least in several of these, if you roll a 1 on an ability check, attack roll, or saving throw, something bad happens. So this is the idea of the critical failures are now being introduced through Dark Bargains in, I think, a cool way. Okay. Um, what are your... So we have like 10 here, but what is our general feel of Dark Gifts as a concept? Concept? I like it. I liked it when Curse of Strahd came out and for Adventures League they had the Dark Gifts that you could get since you don't have access to your free resurrection. Mm-hmm. So they had to figure something out for that. So if your character died, the uh, the Dark Lords or the Dark Powers behind everything could whisper into your ear as as the last bit of life escapes you and says, you don't have to leave yet. All you have to do is accept this small token, this small gift, and mm-hmm. you will be alive again. And it was things like you have you've lost your eyes, I mean, completely gone, but you can still see, you know, and it gives you negatives mm. to your charisma and things like that, or mm-hmm. you you grow hair like a werewolf kind of thing all over your body, you know, just things like that. I love that flavor, and I love mm-hmm. the idea of the dark gifts. The only, th- and I, it's not that I don't like these, I just feel like they're almost all... They're just all the the same. It's like they're all backgrounds. It's here's the languages that you get. Here's the skill proficiencies that you get. Here's here's how we give they, you the the bonus of this. You know, and it's like yeah, mm, okay. I like. There's them. some interesting stuff. There's right? some like, interesting stuff, but they they it, they feel a bit samey after a while, and that's fine, I guess. Well, are they are they samey because it's they created a mechanic that was that was synchronous across all of the different gifts. Again, it boils down to, it comes back to like to balance again, right? Again. Yeah. That's, you, it's, you, it's balance. You, you know what you're going to end up getting out of each one. One is not more powerful than the other, or it's not going to, or at least like mechanically, it's not more powerful than the other. There well, that's are the some, mechanic, right? Yeah. There are some that are more powerful. Certainly there are some that have zero negatives to them. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like touch of death. It in, the flavor is like, oh, if you touch somebody, they get hurt. But yeah. in reality, the only time that actually happens is when you are grappled or grappling someone. Just if somebody touches you, like if they really wanted to push that envelope, they would have said, anytime you are touched by a character, they take 1d10 necrotic damage. Because then when the freaking wizard touches you to do cure, or not wizard, but cleric touches you to do cure wounds... Yes. That, that cleric is that for 1d10. Well, that's but, a problem. I know, yeah. but it's a dark I know, But bargain, I know right? why they did that, though. You know exactly why they did that, because if it's as easy as just a simple touch, and it doesn't t- take a, doesn't, there's no action that's tied to it, no, no, su- no success or failure tied to it, then you're like, you're the anti- you're necromitis. Just going yeah. around, like, touching anybody that you want to in a, in a t- tavern or something like that. Or even in a crowd. I right? hear in you. I hear yeah, you. Yeah, but... So, 
A but smart, the, a smart it, DM will, will string that character up right away if that's what they're. Well, and the other thing is like this. Then the right answer was not to say a dark gift. This dark gift has zero negatives, right? Like that's that's what they ended up going with is like all mm-hmm. oh, this guy that anytime somebody touches them they take necrotic damage. Except that only applies to grapple, and there's no bad stuff that happens. That's a great mm-hmm. dark gift. You want this? Every character yeah, should every, want this dark gift. And and that's kind of my point. Like like with the the bard. It says in the first sentence of, of Touch of Death, your touch is pain, harming whoever you come in contact with. And then everything else, it just pulls the teeth right out of it. It's like... Yeah. Now, oh. there are some cool things, all right? So, like, all right, so I, I want to I I pull in some awesome elements. There is a dark gift of the Watchers. Yes, that, is sound, that sounds fun. Awesome, right? Mm-hmm. You have these... They maybe are spirits. They're probably spirits, but they take a physical form. They have different types of watchers. Like, they could be carrion eaters, like ravens or vultures. They could be bats. They could be fleas or squirrels. I love that. <laughs> idea of squirrels. Love this squirrels. is 18 squirrels following squirrels. you wherever. Um, inescapable judgments, like animated objects of punishment, drifting eyeballs, ghost orbs, scorpions, crabs, jellyfish. Like, all these are great things. And you can use your uh action to kind of see through their eyes and kind of get some bonuses on some investigation and perception checks that's cool mm-hmm. the inverse is also cool if a if a creature that you are trying to do an opposed charisma check against can see the watchers you have disadvantage on your checks that's awesome you're trying to pull off a deception check or a performance check and they look behind you and there's 13 crows like staring them down yeah, and that you have yeah. this. That's an now, awesome. I like that idea. What I do, here's what I don't understand: where it says you have disadvantage on saving throws made against the scrying spell. Why do you have disadvantage against detecting to be scryed? Because your because your footprint is bigger. There's like your your person. The footprint of your person is going to be larger because you it's you and the watchers that are with you at all times. Well, I would think that you have these watchers and it's easier to is it is now easier to see that you're being scryed upon or to notice the little the strange ripple over here where that where that seeing eye that invisible eye is looking down on you. I don't think there's anything say, stopping you from doing it like that, but I think that's logically that's why they put that in there. It's because again, you, your your personal footprint is bigger because you've I think got you, more entities tied to you. I think it makes perfect sense if you're the DM to say that you can see the scrying spell against mm-hmm. you more easily. But I also think that John's right that like finding you, your your needle in the haystack for scrying has now become a pincushion, right? Mm-hmm. So with that with that thought though trying to scry against Klaus, the, the, the great red dragon of the north, should be pretty <laughs> easy, because that dude's huge. Yeah. Why not? But it's not. You know, yeah. you, had the, yeah. you had the same chance of finding, you know. That's a fair, that's a fair statement, actually. So I'll give your, you that. So, your, yeah. your, your, your physical footprint should have no bearing. I mean, it's, that means it's easier to scry on a giant than it is to scry on a halfling. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing yeah. in the spell that says that. Well, again, though, hang on. Let me not to like. I don't want to seem like I'm defending this, but I, mean, no, I, I I'm see. Just the, trying to, I, I just personally see the logic. Again, okay. So there is when you are scrying, you're scrying on like to, to me. It's like um, on it's one ping, right? No matter how big or how small you are, it's the ping. I'm thinking like sonar, right? 
ping if it's one person. But if it's one person and there's a bunch of little things that are kind of like their own thing, but not at the same time, but tied, and you have all these little micro pings around them that kind of like create this. It's not about area. It's about the number of pings that come back as a granted. If I were to try to justify this as a DM, I might be stretching, but that's the way that I would. That's the way I would. Okay. I don't. I, when it came to their design decisions, I don't know, man. I don't know why the hell they did that. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> but I, well, I, could, I could make it make sense, though. You know, yeah. magic. That's how it makes yeah. sense. Don't question magic. There's a lot of cool ones. Uh, just to rattle off the names, because I think that might be helpful. Echoing Soul, Gathered Whispers, Living Shadow, Mistwalker, Second Skin, Symbiotic Bean, which is I cool. Touch one, of yeah. Death, Watchers. Like, there's a lot of great flavor in here. And I think that really, as a DM, taking all of these concepts and mixing mm-hmm. and matching the gifts and the detriments is really where yeah, you're going to get a lot like, of like, payoff. Uh, it, yeah, again, yeah. the 70 30 split right has to me at least is less about what is mechanically written and what is kind of like built out that's pre-fleshed as opposed to here are a lot of really really cool ideas things that you are familiar with things that you're not and then there's like this now it's a sandbox where you can create your own sand castle and you do not have to you don't have to like be you're not stuck with whatever's on the paper unless obviously you're doing adventurers league and then you are stuck with what's on the paper well Yes and no. I mean, because you'll get, if you get those players that buy this book and you're like, well, no, uh, you have touch of death and anybody you touch, I don't care who it is. Or if anybody touches you, they get hit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what it says. Yeah. Well, you're going to get that. Yeah. yeah but you can, but hang on, but you can do that with anything. You and I both oh, know you can oh, do that yeah. with anything. But in this, do, is it worth the pissing match that you're going to end up getting into with a player sometimes? When it comes to that, it's like rules as written are rules as written for a reason, whether or not we agree with them or not. And it's if it's supposed to be kind of like this homogenous, everybody has a similar experience in regards to the rules. Well, if it's we have AL, either, fine. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I, I didn't say that about anything else but AL. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no I'm, I'm just saying like yeah. in a personal game, you're going to have oh, yeah. those people that are like, well, but I bought the book and it doesn't say that. Yeah, I know it doesn't You're say the that DM. because, it, DM because fiat. I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to kind of make sure that I slide in here that there is a very disturbing piece of art in this chapter. <laughs> in a book full of weird stuff. The, the title of this is A Dwarf Occultist Finds Herself Watched by the Staring Cats of Uldendar. Mm-hmm. And it's this dwarf with uh, like a um, powdered face and red hair, big flowing dress, and she is being assailed by these floating Siamese purple cats with weird mouths and 18 weird eyes. It's probably the most disturbing piece of art that I've seen in a Watsi product to date. <laughs> yes? I, am per- I am personally offended by their depiction of a dwarf female in this. Without that, a beard? Can- that's, that is totally... <laughs> Yeah, uh, that is not a dwarf female. That's that's some that's some dude that lost a bet. <laughs> I, All I, I know is that that doth that doth not look like a dwarf to me. A to cat, my eyes, there's a cat that looks like it's worshiping uh, the one above it. <laughs> Go get the down below there, and it yeah. is it is strange. Like okay, we, we, 
the the one yeah the one that the one that's actually like at face level looks like the mouth goes down the neck opens up down the neck you know what i mean like all the way down to the chest it's pretty pretty crazy looking i don't get it yeah it's it's creepy the eyes are creepy i actually like Mm -hmm. the one at the top at the top there the one where the the tiefling has all the the stuff in the in the mirror that she's not looking at i don't think that's that's cool yeah that one's good too i like that one and that's another like let's can we let's park on that just for a second? The artwork in this, the artwork, yeah, fantastic, oh, really, really, really good evocative. stuff. Very Once evocative. again, I'm irritated by the carto- the cartography in this book because I love Dyson logos, but I miss uh, was it Mike Schley, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like his. I like I like more detailed maps in this with a little bit more stuff fleshed out in these hard in the big hardcover books. Um, mm-hmm. I like I like Dyson logo stuff. If nothing else, like there's really good kind of like like a skeletal design and shapes and rooms and things like that, that he does that are, are really, really helpful. But in this one, it's kind of like the dungeon, of the mad mage where it's like full of a bunch of blah, black and white um, mm-hmm. uh, maps that just are not pretty. They're just blah. They're really, they're very Magoo and yeah. generic. I don't know. I kind of feel like the, the, the style of it is going more for, this is the map that you were handed. That's fine. I we, well, we've know. done that. Well, we did that, right? We've, yeah. uh, we d- yeah, yeah, we we yeah. did that with our yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, yes, I like to see you know here here's the layout of the room. Here's all the desks and the tables and all the cool stuff already laid out. But you're not gonna you're you're not gonna have that on an actual mm. rolled up map that you find in a dusty cubby oh, hole. And to be and fair, I guess that's what they went with, you know. Well, and to be, you know what? I will, I'll reel back on that a little bit. Let me backpedal just a little bit. I think it's fine because I need to remember that I, how many like Patreons that I support for cartographers that do phenomenal work oh, yeah. with this stuff. So if you have like a framework like Vice and Logos is thrown out there for this, then you can use it. For, you can use that for one thing, and you can use to your point. You can use one as like a blueprint or a map that you hand out as a handout to your players. And then you have the third-party artists out there cranking out really, really beautiful oh, maps yeah. for this stuff. Yep. yep. And more power to them. Exactly. Well, hey, fellows, that's chapter one. I mean, there's a little <laughs> section on horror trinkets that... Are you sure this yeah, isn't going to turn into 16 episodes long? Are you sure? It's gonna be, Are you sure about that? Hey. There's only five episodes. There are five chapters. There's only five chapters. That's uh, true. That's true. No, I think, uh, I think for our listeners, I think that... Probably there's two more episodes that I think can feel yeah. confident in saying yeah. that are going to make their appearance. Um, but this was a good, this is a good start. We covered okay. all the player options, covered all the cool stuff. So, and I guess you know, not to not to dive into the the trinkets. Trinkets are always my one of my all time favorite tables in yep. any of these books. Mm-hmm. Yep, I That's love. They keep the, doing them right. <laughs> yep, I love the idea of rolling the trinket first. Or if not even yeah. like rolling a trinket and having it at first level, it's something that you find that's just well, yeah, a that's, neat you know, thing that adds flavor to the, the the set dressing. The idea of you know comp- you know because you can get up, go on DMs go and find all kinds of trinket lists, yeah, and just have those on hand to put treasure on your your uh, dead foes and stuff. But some of these some of these trinkets I think would be awesome to select one or roll one i would rather you roll one first before mm-hmm. you make your character and somehow work the trinket into 
your character. Oh, uh, you know what, you what? Actually, I like my players being able to pick the one that they want because they usually come up with really inspired stuff. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that really or that. They, they are able to like flesh their character. Like, okay, so look. First, the number one. As soon as I saw the horror trinkets, the first one, a picture you drew as a child of your imaginary. Hang friend, on now. Where you can go anywhere with mm-hmm. that. One. Hang on now. Tentacles sir. galore. Yeah, go ahead. What you got? Hang on. This chart, the first half of it, they just pulled out a curse of Stroud. Mm, did they not? Probably. It yeah. is no, it's one it's one hundred percent. It's it's instead of a D one hundred where you where there's 50 items, this is a D100 with 100 items. But the first 50 mm. items are the Curse of Strahd items. And then the second 50 items are new. So okay. I, I, I will say, I still like this table, but come on now. It's give items. Me, yeah, give me 50 give me Give me 100 new items. Well, okay, look. The, how much do they do that, though? How much of Tasha's is reprint? Mm-hmm. How much of Xanathar's Guide was reprint? I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I mean... That's part of the. That's part of like the 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 shtick and uh, like them how they make their money by not having to pay for well, re- again, creative stuff is glomming it onto the next book. That's a, two that's a, hours. That's a DM skilled product though for somebody. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I agree. I'm just saying it's, yeah. it goes back to being a little bit lazy. because mm-hmm. yeah, literally, if you would have had one of your writers say, "Give us 50 new items," they should be able to crank that out in a few hours. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's going to make or break your book to to make sure that you don't put anything. Same with the same with the haunted one background. Like it's cool, but at this point, everybody knows about it. It's been a popular background, maybe the most popular background for years. Why are we doing a reprint? Now, hang on, and not only for the most popular background, but from one of, if not the most popular book outside of the the, the three core books that you've got. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got that book. Not everybody, yeah. but like a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, that boils down to not having to pay for as many words. Yeah, that's it's fair. Uh, uh, Craig is saying we're going to have three episodes on just the domains. You know, I think the domains are going to uh, uh, devour those pretty quickly. I think they're going to yeah. devour a lot. But here's here's what I think we're going to find out is that chapter two, where we talk about genres of horror is going to give us a lot of the... We're going to talk about a lot of the juicy bits there that then are just going to have examples shown throughout the domains, right? Mm -hmm. Because folk horror is going to have an example out here. Ghost story is going to have an example out here. All of them are going to have examples, and that's where we're going to be talking about. I think... You tell me if I'm wrong, guys, but like, are we really going to get super excited about Haslan? The domain doomed by magic. I'm still trying to find Il- uh, Sithicus in here. <laughs> if anybody out there can find Sithicus in here, or like there's a n- supposed to be a nod to the domain of dread Sithicus. Without using for those that know what that is, throw it up on the on the Facebooks or the social medias. Yeah, I have a feeling that uh, chapters two and three is going to take us at least two episodes to get through, maybe, and then I think four and five will just be one. Oh, Craig is saying that we're going to just argue about which domain is the best domain, which is probably actually the truth. Um, mm-hmm. And I agree, Joe. I think that chapter two is going to be a great topic. Mm-hmm. The genres of horror, I, I think we've all said like... That's my favorite one. We are learning things that we had misunderstood or didn't mm-hmm. know enough about by reading that section. So that's a that's worth the price of admission probably right there alone. So, okay. Um I think I think that was a good uh, a good cover. I think we um, beat it up enough. That's right. If if you feel like we're wrong about these subclasses 
or if we, you think we missed something in chapter one, I would encourage you to head on over to our Facebook page and let us know so. Um, you could find us on the Bite Size Gaming on Facebook, and um, I think all three of us monitor it. <laughs> so if yeah. you send a message, mm -hmm. you'll One probably get at least it. two responses. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes we can't help ourselves, and all three will will shout at you. Um, so no, especially if it's, an, if it's a nice you. response too, or if it's an if it's a nice comment, you'll you'll usually get all three of us. Some of us yeah, will yeah. hide. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's me. Uh, so yeah, come. Yell at us on Facebook, one way or another. Come follow us on Facebook. Um, that's where you're going to see anytime these episodes go live, we try to post on Facebook, letting people know to head on over to Twitch. It's also where you know when we're going to be at conventions or running games here and there. Uh, sometimes we post other content there as well. Um, just a good way for you to stay in touch with everything that we've got going on. Is there anything else we need to cover, fo fellas, before we uh, sign off tonight? Nope. I think we're getting I think a lot so. of nope. Okay. So. Well, uh, I think uh, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Thanks to all of our listeners for hanging out for another episode. Thanks to John and Troy for hanging out with me yet again. Until next week, we'll see you next time. Have a great game, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe. This is, I'd like to imagine that we are the Walter Cronkites of 2021. I think I think we hit the mantle pretty well. You think so? Okay. All right then. Yeah, I think all three of us combined. I approach. Okay, maybe I I feel like I'm more like the Andy Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> you know what grinds my gears? You know what grinds my gears? <laughs> Kids on my lawn. You know what honks my horn? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And John is like uh, Ron Burgundy. <laughs>